Welcome back, guys. Um, happy whatever day it is in your world. Uh, thanks again for getting through episode three with us. We really hope you enjoyed uh, getting to know our mom. She does show up a bit more uh, in the next story. Um, our, our next special guest is John Smith, who... Chris and 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 he have a very interesting past and journey together as well, which we'll get to. Uh, John is somebody that grew up around the same world we did. They were, you know, same friend circles, um, and, and their their story ends up connected in a really interesting and and crazy way. Um, so we start with uh, Johnny's story. It actually we we go pretty deep um, into his story, um, which takes us through um, him just kind of being you know, the good kid in school, athletic, uh, and just kind of following the rules. And then he, he landed into the world of, of alcohol and then pills and, and just progressed from there. So, um, whether it was him in, in high school and leading into college, going through what he calls his drug career, um, to ending up, uh, making it into law school and, um, proceeding down to Florida where he calls, um, this section, his Florida stories that we don't quite get into, but I'm sure we could, we could use, uh, um, some time on another podcast to, to dive into. Um, and then he, he progresses into explaining the importance of the 12 steps in his life. And as you now know, the 12 steps are the solution. Um, and he, he, as you will notice, um, battled wanting to go through the work so many times over and over and over again, even knowing that that was what would make him well. And once he finally succumbed to this and, and realized that that was what to do, he's since recovered. And um, again, and we're going to reiterate, we're going to keep saying it, um, the, that is the reason, the 12 steps. And so you'll hear his very colorful journey, um, the connection between our moms and eventually um, the crazy story that eventually has led to them uh, being business partners. So um, sit back. This one's a wild one. Uh, so get ready. Um, but Johnny, thank you so much for joining us uh, and can't wait for you to hear his story. Episode four or five, I don't know yet, but um, anyways, we have a special guest today. We wanted to uh, extend this beyond um, just Chris and family. We've heard Chris's story. We've talked about the 12 steps. Um, we've heard things from mom's perspective, and now we have Johnny in the house. What's How's it happening? going? <laughs> thanks for joining us. Yeah, no, thank you. You are our first outside guest. Oh, it is an honor. <laughs> Can't honor wait. Can't wait to talk to you. <laughs> and you have not been privy to the uh, episode before this, so yeah. you're coming in blind, which uh -huh. is good, no actually. What we're doing here today, this so. is actually really good. So um, the podcast and the purpose of this is um, to just really raise awareness of addiction, alcoholism, make it a conversation, not keep it as the taboo thing that it's been to this point. We want to just talk about it. And so every time we come together, it's going to be a little bit different um, for what we've done so far. Chris has told his story. I know you're involved in his story as well. We did not hit on that um, before. Um, and then we kind of dove into just kind of what we think people would ask about addiction. You guys have gone through it. I have not. I am very innocent in that. So I have tons of questions and I assume other people do. So um, we are here to just educate 
inspire, inform, whatever you want to do. So I would love to know your story. Just where are you from? Just basic stuff. Because I don't actually know, which is crazy. Uh, (laughs) I know you guys are close. (laughs) Um, Originally, I mean, where, yeah, who am I? I mean, originally (laughs) from, I was born up in the Northeast in Philadelphia. Um, Go Eagles. Yeah. No, I I was born, but I spent the majority of my like formative years uh, here in North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, Moved here when I was in seventh grade. And that's, that's actually how I knew, became acquaintances with Chris around that time. In seventh grade? Through hockey. Through hockey. Oh, I didn't know. See, I didn't yeah. know this. this yeah. Awesome. So I, um, yeah, I moved here, played hockey and it's cool because in a couple of weeks we'll be going to play golf with a guy that he was with Ethan. Ethan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was Yay. one of my, he was one of the first people that I met when I moved here. Mm-hmm. Um, Love so that's, it's interesting just how that all wraps up or whatever I was thinking about that. But, um. So yeah, I moved here, spent the majority of my formative years here. Me and Chris, we also, we were acquaintances, but not close. We knew of each other. Mm-hmm. He'll shake his head. He probably didn't know of me. <laughs> Is that true? Uh, I kind of remember him. Yeah, see, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, uh, I knew of him because through hockey. Yeah. And I, I was the new guy in town. So, sure. You know, whatever. <laughs> but, um, That's why he eventually robbed me. Yeah, okay, it'll get to that. That'll come. No, so moved here. We went to school. Well, I we lived in Wilmington for a year together, and um, yeah, I don't. And know now you're back. And, and you now I'm back. Journey, and yeah, back. and then it's, it's been a journey since. <laughs> yes, then. it it's has been an absolute journey. And since we then. definitely want to get into that. So tell so tell us about your early days. Like, when did the addiction thing start for you? When did you, when can you first remember like getting into stuff, alcohol, yeah, whatever? It probably. I mean, it started. When I look back now in retrospect, it definitely started way earlier than I knew mm. it was happening. Okay. Um, it, it's easy to see now, but when I was wrapped up in it at the time, I, in my mind, like, and I think it's very common that people just think that, or I thought it's what I was supposed to be doing, and I thought it is what everybody else was doing. And so I was, yeah, I was in high school. I was probably like a sophomore in high school, and... There was no, for me, there was like no magical moment. I just thought everybody just, when you're in high school, you started smoking weed. Yeah. You started drinking. Yeah. On weekends, completely normal is what I thought. And then it transitioned just like a lot of people into during the week. And then I just started getting deeper and deeper into, it just was something that was like cool. It was kind of like. But it is cool. Like, and that's what we've talked about before. Like everyone is kind of doing that. Exactly. It's kind of like an assumption. So Mm -hmm. it's not that far-fetched. And so I just. I began to take it further. And I think with like most people probably saying with you, Chris, I started like, for me, it was like with weed first. I started smoking weed. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden you start selling a little bit of weed and then you start meeting different people or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And then you just get deeper and deeper. But when I look back now, it's a, it's crazy to think back now. We, we had actually played golf with him not too long ago, but this guy that he was our neighbor behind our house when I was in high school. And I was, I had this ritual in high school, and you can tell me if this is normal or not, Jackie. Okay. But every night in high school, I would come home, and I had a little bowl or pipe or whatever in my bathroom, and I would smoke weed out my bathroom window every night in high school. That every was single like, night. E- Yeah, every single night. I also, which is interesting, I don't know what my mom thought was in there, I had a briefcase with a lock on it that just sat there like a high school gym locker. <laughs> 
lock, like an old like '80s style briefcase that easily you could just cut right into. But just hanging out in your just, room. It just something? sat there right in my room. That's where I kept my weed. That's where I kept my little setup. And every up. night I'd go put the little combination in the lock. I'd unlock it, and then I'd go to this window and smoke weed. And I'm talking like literally every night. And I'm thinking, like, there had to be times where the neighbors would, like, be glad, like, if their whole yeah. living room was all windows opening up to it. They'd be like, oh, there goes the neighbor kid again. Yeah. <laughs> up there, hanging out the window, like, lighting up his lighter, <laughs> smoking weed every night. Um, but I thought, that's what my friends were doing, and I thought that that was normal. I thought that, okay, this is, like, my time. I like, I like to be high. Yeah, I don't think it's abnormal i i didn't get into weed at all i uh -huh. still haven't like i've tried it but i have but i There's haven't gotten into it so like i'm not <laughs> so it's like i i don't have that recollection but to me if you if one of my friends in high school had told me that story i would be like oh my gosh so i don't i still and we've had this conversation a million times smoking weed drinking in high school you kind of just chalk that up to being young that's trying things out and it's like oh everyone's kind of doing that right so it's not that weird i would say exactly every and night so, i don't know i don't know well that's what <laughs> so for me like when i look back at it now oh, it became super normal no and it, also <laughs> that it became like a necessity or the thing that i look forward to like i can't sure. wait for my parents to go to bed to be done with all of like my daily activities, yeah. So I can just go in my room and smoke weed. You Crazy. still are a creature of habit. I am. A, I am a creature <laughs> yeah, of habit. Yeah. Did you need or... it at that point? I don't think I needed it. You I just, just wanted it. Yeah. It okay. was just I. I really enjoyed my whole career of doing drugs, yeah. being high. And then it. So then it became. I tried other drugs, but nothing really like got me. What it was all, all right. So, like in high school and stuff, doing cocaine. I can remember actually one time my senior thesis or whatever it was. Other people maybe dabbled with Adderall, and I remember yes. staying up all night chopping out lines of coke to finish this paper. Saying in my mind, like, I need this to finish this paper. Mm. The same as Adderall. Yeah, the yeah. same as Adderall <laughs> kind of deal. I don't know. And really, it was like, dude, you're literally just wasting time because you're spending your whole night doing coke instead of doing this paper but and that's that's how things went for me in my mind because i thought and it was true to an extent was that like i need these things to function and i perform better right you when i'm doing thing. these things yeah um, I, have, I have a question for both of you guys mm -hmm. so when you start experimenting with that stuff because i don't have this knowledge how much do you know about like so people are doing drugs around you they're smoking weed like how much do you actually know about it when you go into the moment where you're trying it or do you just know that it's something cool that people have tried like like starting cocaine like mm -hmm. how, like do you know what you're doing getting into that i think just for people like that you aren't do it once or twice it, you're kind of like oh i get it but going into the first time you do is it just a it's just a kind of like the shiny object curious. that you're okay, yeah. curious. And I was always like a wimp. Like out of my little group of four friends in yeah. high school, I was always the last one to try it. So like let's yeah. say that like this Friday night, one of them for the first time is like doing coke. Yep. I'm gonna wait till the next Friday. Right. To kind you wanna of make see, sure everybody's yeah, <laughs> to kind of see how it went. Okay. And then that that's how my whole drug career, I guess. Mm -hmm went was like i it, out of the people i hung out with i was always kind of like the last one to hop on board but when i hopped on board like i was on board yeah um and then 
I mean, I managed through high school. I did fine all in high school and all that. College, first little bit. I, I had a pretty normal um, freshman year of college. And at this point, you're smoking weed. What else are you doing? Smoking weed. Um, weekends or when money's available. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'm primarily just drinking. Okay, drinking. Yeah, primarily drinking. And that, like, that did it really well for me. Okay. I wasn't waking up in the morning drinking or anything like that, but I had, like, a pretty normal college my first year yeah my freshman year was was relatively normal ecstasy coke whatever those mm-hmm. type of things which all seemed like pretty normal in my like college group of friends I mean to some but like the majority yeah. I feel like of college kids out there yep dabble in those types of things definitely yeah um but then for me and I for I do have that experience that people talk about like where I fell in love with opiates my first time mm. I remember it, it, I don't I don't really like remember if I ever took like hydrocodone pills or anything like that in high school I don't mm-hmm. think I did um could have probably did but I don't remember them but I do remember the first time that one of my friends came over and he had a pill which it was oxycotton and I didn't really know much about it then I had no idea people were getting addicted to it and this mm-hmm. was back in 2009 when like all of this was like really taken off and I remember doing some of it, whatever it was, mm-hmm. chopping it up, doing it. And I spent the whole night in my bathroom throwing up, Ugh. sleeping on the bathroom floor, <laughs> happier than I've ever been in my whole You're life. You're kidding me. Like, I want to feel like this really? forever. Wow. And then that's when it really took off because then the next day... Mm-hmm. And I was in school in Wilmington and we were living in Raleigh and I knew that the pills were here in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Hey, we got to go. Yeah. Like, I want to do that again. That and we ended up, yeah, that, that, yeah, <laughs> I want to do that again. We ended up driving the next day, yeah. waking up in the morning, going from Wilmington to Raleigh, back to Wilmington, just to get more of those. Gosh. Yeah. So at, and along this like high school into college, did your parents have any idea what you were doing? No. Any time that you got in trouble or like... No, I stayed... I mean, I was really... Like, I, I know a lot of people probably say this a lot of little, but like, I was good. Like, yeah, for some I time. was really good at hiding things. Yeah. Like, I knew the certain areas in my life that I had to maintain. Yeah. I always kept the grades up. Yeah. I always made sure to follow the rules to mm-hmm. some sort. Like, I wasn't wasn't out sneaking out of the house. Dude, I was hiding in my bedroom smoking weed. So yeah. my parents were probably thinking like, what the hell could he be doing right. up here that's doing anything wrong? Interesting. Um, yeah. And then primarily the same in college as well. Like I did, I kept my grades up even the whole time. Yeah. That it didn't, um, I always maintained a job, maintained grades, did all the things that I knew that would keep people off my back. Right. And I think there was a sense of, I don't want to get caught what I'm doing, but also during that time, I still had like, I, I didn't know the path that I was heading down. Sure. Like I still was in my mind. If you would have asked me, I wouldn't have said, Oh, I'm heading down the path of addiction and leading yeah. to this life of what's going to be. I'd say, yeah, you know, I'm having fun, but look at me, I'm having fun while I'm still maintaining a job. Yeah. yeah. I'm crushing. I thought, sure. I, I actually thought like I am doing extremely Right. It's so um, interesting to hear that too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and for a normal human being, if you think about it, like if you did a drug, Jackie, or 
if you got so drunk and it was the first time you had ever done something like that and you spent the entire night throwing up in a bathroom, yeah, do you I think mean, that you would be like, I probably don't want to do this again? Right. I equate it to drinking in college and I would have thrown up drinking and we all go through that. I'm never doing that again. But to have the realization right in the moment of mm -hmm. I really want to keep going, no chance, not a chance, mm -hmm. no way. That's crazy. That's, yeah, I mean, that's where I think it gets into. It separates the difference between between people, between the addicts and sure. the head normal, head. yeah, or whatever. Because it's like at that point, it's like no matter what's going on right now, I feel better, even though I'm in a in my like head in my toilet. Yeah, I feel so good internally Ugh. right now. Like this is amazing. That's so crazy. Yeah, it's it's, it's wild. And so, how did you? When did you guys like get to, like? I know it was in college that you had your encounter and all that stuff, but like, yeah. how did you kind of like become like get to know each other better? Or was that after? That was way, 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 way after. after. Okay. The first time I had seen John yeah. since we were what in seventh grade or yeah. whatever was the night that me and my buddy were selling. My buddy would come in town to Wilmington from Raleigh every month mm -hmm. and would bring weed mm -hmm. and we would, dump all of it within like one day we would sell like all of it within one day and then he would come back like a month later and we sold uh he came over to buy some and it was a small amount and my dealer knew who he was and was like well i'm only gonna sell you shake which is like the bottom of the bag it's not like nice weed okay. it's like shake so it was like a disrespectful quote-unquote move and mm -hmm. I, I think what happened was he went back and was like, they've got a bunch of weed over there and they yeah. just sold me this crap. Like great reason to go over there and rob them. <laughs> okay. Right. Is that true? That was that just the opportunity. I want to, okay. I want to hear, so I want to hear your yeah. perspective of yeah. that same day. Like yeah, it's, it's interesting because you know who each other are ish and yeah. it's like, and you're just on your same daily routine. I'm um, like, <laughs> just probably in the kitchen making some sort of food. Bacon and eggs. Yeah. 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 Something literally like that. And, um, yeah, I remember him coming in, and it was definitely, like you said, like it wasn't... We yep. probably started brainstorming on, mm -hmm. oh, well, this is the perfect way to get back in the house. The other thing that you got to realize, I mean, I don't know if people know, so we're like, we are not like, this isn't like... like We're not hard. Yeah, yeah you're, we're you're not typical, hard. These aren't <laughs> your typical criminals no. like, that you think of in your mind, like going into... An apartment complex. On Kids from the suburbs, yeah. raised well. Right. Exactly. Everything is totally fine. One hundred percent. Way out of like, our parents right. probably thinking like, "Oh, it's Friday night. He's in college. He's probably in his house playing beer pong or something." Right. Like, exactly. No, like he comes back and it's like, "Okay, head to your room and or whatever." Yeah. Like we're we're going out. And that's like what I it was in my mind, and I remember just going over to the apartment, mm -hmm. going up, and we had like. I don't know if it was one too listening to one too many rap songs. I say that all the time, but it was like, it was okay. like, okay, this is the plan. Like on the way over there, we're talking about, okay, the plan is we just got to get in the door. Then as soon as we get in the door, yeah, we know exactly what to do. They're not going to do anything because we're dealing with people that are like us. You know? yeah. I mean, we're not expecting a gun to come back in our face or whatever. And at that time it was just like the desperation for extra money. That's crazy. Yeah, because I'm a broke college kid, and I have these drinking. And at that time, it was just like drinking. Like that yeah. was my thing. Like going out to the bar and yep. doing whatever. It was like, okay, I need as much money as possible. Yep. Can't tell my parents like, hey, I need 
$300 this weekend to go yeah. spend at the bar. They'd right. Be like, Why are you spending that much money at a bar? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was an adrenaline rush. It was, it was a fun thing to do. So how did you get into robbing people? I mean, you, so you go to, I mean, was that just like, I, I'm just so yeah, curious. Cause okay. you're, so up, up to this point, you've been in high school and you're, you know, you're, you're smoking. I mean, you said like, I'm kind of doing normal things. Like I'm it, there. I was getting a little shady. <laughs> so when you got to college, how did that so, change? Yeah. It, I mean, in high school, towards the end of high school, things I was getting to be a little shadier, which I'd love to talk to some people like the innocent bystanders in yeah. high school that don't really know me because freshman, sophomore year in high school, like I was borderline, not necessarily nerdy, but like I was a good kid. Yeah. And preppy then, kid. yeah, like I was good at school, mm-hmm. playing sports, preppy, all doing of the right that, thing. doing yeah. the right thing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden weed enters my life. And then I start, and like I said before, like I was getting deeper and deeper and deeper to where it's like, you know, maybe first semester um buying weed for to give to a friend, but then transition two months later, and now all of a sudden I'm the one that's selling weed. Yeah. Going up to this gas station after school that everybody hung out at. Yeah. I would be at that gas station with my friends and everybody knew that that's where they would come get their weed for the mm-hmm. day. And then from there it just continues to progress and progress into like selling harder drugs, but primarily being around and it being more available. Mm-hmm. And seeing it. Because, you know, in high school, we were talking about maybe you see, like, you know, a couple hundred dollars worth of weed, but then you meet the right people. Then all of a sudden, now you're talking about thousands of Mm -hmm. dollars. And so it it piqued my interest. The money did, the drugs did, the lifestyle did. Mm -hmm. But when I went to college, that that was an interesting thing for me. I have a friend. This is actually, I, I feel like this is like a good little story. So I have a friend. He's currently in prison right now. I still talk to him on a monthly or if not weekly basis. Yeah. And he's, he's been in there now for 2009. So 11 years mm-hmm. now. And I met him. He was a few years older than me and great guy at heart, but he was a few years ahead of me going down the wrong path. Mm-hmm. And his path was more of like the criminal side of things. Okay. Like he wasn't on the drug side of things. Yep. He was more on the money drinking, robbing people. Kind He's of kind of who introduced you to that life. He did, yeah. absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And so it's an interesting, so we're living in, uh, in an apartment my freshman year, and we didn't know anything about, about him at the time, but he just was kind of living a different lifestyle than almost like a lifestyle that you see in movies and stuff like that, um, which was attractive to us, of course. Sure. And so it turned into him hanging out with us and talking with him, and little by little, his story came out because that became like an almost every night occurrence. And we're becoming very close because, like, genuinely, he is a has a good heart yeah. and is a good person. And then finally, it comes out that the reason why he's living there is he just got out of prison. He was in federal prison, just got out from five years, did five years in there for um, selling drugs. Okay. And so then it starts piecing. Because we, we, it's not something that he would bring up because yeah. he's a very normal person. So first encounter, like, you're not going to, he's not going to bring that up. Yeah. He knows. But once you get closer and you start hearing stories, he's like, all right, kind of like this happened. Yeah. I'm piecing it together. And he's like, all right, I'll tell you all the trust truth. Trust you guys like, now. Yeah. Yeah. I trust <laughs> you guys now. I trust you that you like me and you're not going to completely judge me. Mm-hmm. And so then his whole story came out. Hmm. And at this point in time, like, we already have this relationship. And sure. I mean, clearly I still talk to him 
to this day. Yeah, he's a friend. Yeah, he's a friend. (laughs) He's a friend that he just, he did live a different life. It's, and he was, that was his main thing. Like, I mean, his main thing was making money off selling drugs and robbing people that sell drugs. Hmm. Never hurt an innocent person. Never would do that. Doesn't, the scaredest person, if you told him you were going to steal a bag of Doritos from a Walgreens, the dude would freak and run out. Like he would never do anything like that. But <laughs> only Rob has only Rob exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like he had some There's sort some of morals code. here, exactly yeah. some sort of code. But anyway, so that, that's how um, that's how we got in. How so he got you into that, robbing people who sell drugs, which that just went hand in hand perfect with somebody that does drugs. Sure, because yes, he doesn't do drugs, right? So then all of a sudden when you got either a supply of money coming in or a supply of, of drugs, drugs coming in, yep. well, that is perfect. So and that's, and then your tunnel vision, right? Cause to 100%. me hearing this from this perspective, it's like this dude's been to jail and he somehow is telling you, Hey, we should do this. And you're like, yeah, like that doesn't make sense. That to sounds me. like a great idea. But to you, yeah. you're like, it's money. It's also the thing that you want. Exactly. Which is so yeah. it's just, that becomes the mental part. So, right? it, like, and that's what it became. It became yeah. to a thing like, oh, okay, he's over there in an apartment with all this money. Right now it's seven o'clock and I have $0 to my name, but by eight o'clock I could be back here with however much money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you start doing it, you're like, wow, this is easy. Oh. Yeah, it's 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 wild. So what was the first time you got into that? Like, what's the first story? Were you scared shitless? I um, no, because like I said before, with me, it was I eased into things. I was always sure. the last one to go. Sure. So time number one, I'm just the driver right. waiting outside. Okay. So then time number two, it's like, okay, I'll come in. And it, like I eased my way into it till all of a sudden – down the road, it's like, yeah, I'm the one that's standing it's in there crazy. doing that. Oh, it's, it's absolutely. I mean, you can see me right here. Can I you know. imagine that? No way. That's <laughs> like, not at all. I know. I look no. back at it too. Like, what was I thinking? Um, all the more reason why we're here too. Yeah. Just, just, like these stories are crazy. So you, but... so you showed up at my house and I remember looking through the people because we had a lot of weed and money in the house. Both were inside of a wooden table. I showed it to you like later mm-hmm. on after you got sober. I was like, I sent him a picture because it was at mom and dad's Off house. The table, yeah. And I <sighs> opened it up and I was like, hey, this is where it was because they didn't end up getting it. Yeah. But we had weed on top of the table and there were three guys who were coming to pick it up. Okay. In the meantime, while we were waiting for them to come pick it up, John show up to the front door. I look through the people and it's only I do you know Chris at this point? I do know who he is. So yes. You know you're going I, yeah. into his house. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. crazy. Which so, was better. So I, I open the door and I'm like, hey, what's up? And then all of a sudden, they like walk right in and cocks the gun back. And he was like, sit on the couch, you know? And so I sit on the couch yeah. and we're just sitting there. They're pointing, you know, a weapon in our face. And we're like, okay, well, so, so grabs grabs the weed on the table and he was like, where's the rest of it? And and I didn't say a single word. And I remember looking at John and like, what the hell are you guys doing? You know, cause right. like, once again, we are very well raised, you know, also, you probably somewhat educated. Like suburban kids. Yeah. Right. So <clears throat> they end up putting 
on his stomach in the kitchen for I what was it, fifteen to twenty minutes? I, it I felt like a very, yeah, I'm very sure long time. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I do not doubt that. So so they had <laughs> on his stomach and they were like, Where is it? Meanwhile, I'm just sitting on the couch with my hands on my lap, like I can't move because the dude looked like a guy who would shoot you. Yeah. <laughs> And um, they kept demanding, where is it, where is it, where is it? And they ripped through the apartment, didn't find anything because it was all in that table. The money. The money and the weed. And finally, I found the courage to be like, you already got the weed. Like, we have nothing else. We left everything at someone else's house because we thought something like this could happen. Just get out of the apartment. There's three guys on the way over here to pick up what you just took. (sighs) And I think John, at that point, they were like, Hey, it's probably a good idea to roll. Let's go. What do you recall from that? I don't, but I wouldn't surprise me if I was the one that was like, let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah. One of us definitely worked. One but of them was by is, the door and I think it was John. Yeah. It's like the clock is ticking in your mind. Right. Like this is like, we've right. been here for a while. Let's get out of Dodge. Yes. yes. And, yeah. and they left. So, so then that was it. You know, and I remember the guys that came to pick up the, that were coming to pick up the weed showed up like right after they left and they were like pretty hood, you know, like they were, they were rough guys. And and I remember he came in and he was like, you guys look like you just saw a ghost. And I was like, and we're not selling you anything. Get out of here. Like I'm going home. And he was like, come on, please. Like, sell us what we want or whatever. And he was like, no. And I was like, we just got robbed. And he Mm -hmm. was like tell me where they are and we'll go take care of them right now. And I remember looking at him saying, I want absolutely nothing to do with that. Right. And it, and it kind of hit me like what we were saying earlier. I was like, dude, I am like way out of my element right now. Yeah. And it was one of those things where everything kind of hits you at once. And you're like, this is probably not good that my life has turned out like this. That was kind of mm-hmm. a moment for you too. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, then, my it's it's kind of amazing what the universe can do and what what life can do because you know fast forward down the road which <laughs> yeah, we'll we're get sitting to, here on john the is town. one of my best friends in the entire world i helped him go through the steps and, and get sober and he runs my company it's amazing so mm-hmm. what at what point for you did you say i have a problem so you are now robbing people yeah. you robbed someone you knew like this is crazy where, like what turned for you or when did you cut, what was the rest of your story? So, yeah. So then from there, the guy that we were talking about in the stories, yep. he about a year or so later goes back to prison, back to prison. for living that life still yep. in there right now. Um, and for, this is kind of when my drug career like really took off. This okay. is when I started becoming addicted yeah. to drugs yeah. um, or getting addicted to drugs was I knew that from those experiences and many more like that and your friend going to prison that like, okay, I'm next. Like mm-hmm. this isn't the life I want to be living. Yeah. And then also the guy that um, Chris was talking about, our, my friend, he also came to that conclusion too. Like this isn't the life that we want to live. Yeah. And we changed our lives around. And for me at the time, like I was saying, alcohol was the problem because when I drank, I became fearless and crazy. And mm. that was like the life I lived. Mm. So for me, the way around that was those pills that I was really liking. Yes. And when I did those, I stayed in the house. I didn't cause problems mm. and I was very happy and content. And I didn't mm. want to be out of the house doing all of that. 
Interesting. Yeah, it's that's that's kind of how it went. Now, whether I knew it at the time, like I don't know, but that's what it became. Instead of hey, let's go out to the bar tonight, hey, let's just stay in the house yeah. and get high. Yeah. And and just kind of hang out here. And that lasted all through college. Okay. And that's when it started the, the things that like getting like dope sick and becoming mm-hmm. physically dependent upon these drugs. Yep. That's when that started happening. However, in my mind, because of the things I was talking about before, still making good grades in school, mm-hmm. I still have a job, all of those things. I still make it home for Christmas. Yeah. Do all of that. Like I'm still doing okay. Right. And at that point I did start to try to cut to stop. Mm-hmm. I started trying to stop because I ended up spending way too many nights in the house and not going out. So it's yeah. like my friends are going out on weekends and all I want to do is just sit in the house and snort these pills. Hmm. So that's when I started to try to stop doing those so that I could have more of a social life. Okay. And really we did it. And like, we didn't, I didn't know how deep I was at the time, but back at, when I, my senior year of college, I was able to not completely stop, but kind of flip back to alcohol to where hmm. I became like the more of party guy and yeah. social guy and the drug thing I hid and I only did on, you know, Tuesday, Thursday nights or hmm. something like that. But yeah. the other nights, like I was out of the bar parties, living a more normal college life. Yeah. Um, and it, it's crazy. Cause like at that point it kind of shows like the addict versus the non, like my friends, he actually stuck with that. Mm-hmm. And where mm-hmm. I went down the other path, mm-hmm. like he continued to just meet a lot of people, have a lot of friends yeah. and progress through his life. Whereas me, I moved back home when I graduated college, fully addicted. And mm-hmm. my parents were living in Asheville at the time. Oh. And my plan was to go home and detox for two weeks. So you, you're now recognizing that you definitely have a problem. Like was there oh, a that, moment that you said like, I'm... Like, this is not okay, or I, I can't control this. After a year of fighting this battle of waking up sick every day, and yeah. in order for me to go to class, I have to get high before I can, like, get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. That was when I started to realize I had a problem. Now, okay. I knew nothing about addiction. Yeah. I knew nothing about, back then, like, this opioid epidemic. I had yeah. friends that were, like, had been to rehab, and in my mm-hmm. mind, I was like, they're idiots yeah I can just stop (laughs) yeah like and so that was so I would stop for a little bit and then you know then get on them for a little bit but it was Mm -hmm. nothing that I thought I was managing at the time um and I remember going home and that was my cutoff point so like I just graduated college with some sort of like did really well cream latte some whatever the hell it is (laughs) I don't even know (laughs) um (laughs) such a good citizen I know right and uh I remember going home and trying to detox myself and I I managed to do it. The only way I did it was because I was literally in Asheville at my parents' house where I didn't know a soul because they had moved from Raleigh to Asheville at the time. Okay. So I'm out in the middle of somewhere in Asheville, just detoxing in my parents' house. Um, And when I say detoxing, I mean just from the opiates. Like I knew nothing at this time about, so I'm pretty much trying to get drunk whenever possible, which is a lot more acceptable. Sure. Um, We end up moving back to Raleigh. And then as soon as I get back there is when it takes off again, because mm-hmm. I'm back around people where it's available. And like, once it's available, I'm there. Had you come all the way off of the pill? Yeah, I was okay. out there for about two weeks. So at this point, like I'm completely clean 
And in my mind, it was, let me get clean and then mm-hmm. turn my life around. Okay. Well, I go back to Raleigh and I start doing the same things. And in my mind, I don't know what direction I was taking in life. Like I see my friends that are getting jobs. They had interviews lined up after college. Mm -hmm. I didn't have time for any of that because once I got out of class and did homework, whatever, I was also a drug addict. So I had to manage that making money and also going, buying drugs, doing all that. So I wasn't really too focused on the career path. I thought those things kind of just jumped in your lap, which they don't. Right. Um, and I thought <laughs> like I thought you like graduate college, someone hands you like a yeah. job, like oh it's here. Yeah, good job. Um, so I started working, and this is kind of when things actually like really take off for me. Um, so now I'm back in my hometown, and where I know a lot of people, all the people from high school that are still here, still doing drugs, their drug career has progressed like mine. And I get a job working at a bar and I spent about six months stuck. Mm -hmm. And once again, it's because I work these late nights at this bar and then spend my whole day getting high. And I'm just going through this cycle of every day I'm sleeping till, you know, 2 PM, blaming it on while I was working in a bar till 2 Mm AM. Then I come home and get high till 5 AM. Yeah. Just going through this complete cycle. And this is, this is the absolute 100% truth. So I'm working at this bar, no sense of direction in life, no plans. Yep. All my friends are doing great. Like my college friends, they all have like jobs, careers. Mm-hmm. They're all excited. Meanwhile, I'm living night to night working at some bar. And I started watching this series, Suits, which is about lawyers. Yeah. And his story is actually like he's not even a real lawyer. Right. And I said, well, you know, when I was a kid, everybody said I like to argue I should go to law school. So that was in December. By January, I was taking the LSATs really? and applying to law school. And that was going to be kind of like my way out. Hmm. And so I got in. Yeah. I, I took the LSATs. Amazing. Got, yeah, took the LSATs on, on heroin. At this time, <laughs> another thing is that I've upgraded to heroin. And also, I began injecting it. Chris Just because, yeah, it, it's, uh, I'm around it. People yeah. are telling me things. Like, and like I said before, like I see one friend doing it. He's doing it. And then the next day it's like, okay, I'll try that too. Mm-hmm. And so th- that's taken off. And then I have this start date of August. So once again, I have this deadline in my mind of yep. when I'm going to pull my life together. Yep. Because I know that it's January or February, March, whenever I got accepted to law school and classes are going to begin in August. So I have this five month Yeah, I have this five month stretch where I get to have a little bit of fun, mm-hmm. but also my deadline to stop is yeah. is August. Right. August rolls around and I'm I mean, I'm getting bad off at this point because mm-hmm. I'm literally just working just to get high. Feed yeah. The habit. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And doing all sorts of, you know, whatever just to survive mm-hmm. and just crazy encounters. My, my life was not normal at the time. Yeah. And so then law school rolls around and um, I don't know if you guys have talked about this in the past, but I tried to use Suboxone to wean off of we have not the heroin. Suboxone is a, is a, it's, it's used to help people with withdrawals from heroin. So it, it's what they give you in some rehabs to basically uh, ease the, the pain that you sure. feel uh, and it also blocks your opiate receptors. So when you take a Suboxone, it's just like methadone. If you take methadone or go to a methadone clinic, <clears throat> or if you take Suboxone, um, for 24 hours, you could literally shoot up as much heroin as you wanted to, and you wouldn't feel a single thing. Hmm. However, 
Suboxone makes you feel high. <laughs> a lot of people have told me it doesn't do anything to me. I don't feel anything. Every single time I took Suboxone, I felt a warmth hmm. and I my pupils would get very small and I would feel pretty high. You know, not as, as quote unquote good or right. – uh, I didn't like it as much as heroin, but it definitely made you feel that way. So the purpose of taking it generally is to is help to you detox because you're coming down mm-hmm. and it just kind of masks what it is. But yeah, some people like, fall into like using it as a band well, right? well, like However, a, a whole nother conversation. Yeah. That's a whole nother yeah. podcast. That's <laughs> yeah. a whole, you know, whole People podcast. are prescribed Suboxone to stay off of heroin, but they're prescribed it as something to take daily for as long as you need to. Uh, just so it's basically like, just take this and keep taking it. So you're not buying drugs off the street and using right. needles. Okay. Yeah. But you came at it from a perspective of trying to I was going to be my own doctor. Right. Okay. Basically. You're your own doctor. Yeah. I'm going to detox myself. I did it. <laughs> yes. for, I did it. I did my first day of law school. Like I was mm-hmm. soberish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember it was class started on like a Wednesday and this is like, and at the time, like it's my life. Like, I don't know how I was going to stop and transition from doing what I was doing mm-hmm. to being in law school. But in my mind, like I thought it was possible sure. and I could do it. Um, and I remember the first Friday and the first week of classes, you had to wear like a suit and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the first Friday of classes, it ends at like three and everybody was going to a bar. Mm-hmm. I go there. I have probably two beers mm-hmm. and everybody else is either going to stay at the bar, keep drinking or go back to their house or whatever. Yeah. Well, I shot straight from the bar over to my heroin dealer's house <sighs> and I'm in there completely my first, I'm literally in a suit <sighs> telling him like, yeah, I just finished my first week of law school and in his bathroom with a needle in my arm. Um, and then that's how it went. Um, student loans didn't help either because I ended up shooting up majority of my student loans, any, any money that I had for housing and food and all of that. Um, meanwhile, I'm living at my parents' house, Sure. so I don't even need that money, but when that direct deposit hit, that was the best day ever. Good to go. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. And so doing something with yourself. Yeah. yeah. So (laughs) I spent in law school, it was a blur. Like I've seen a couple people that I went to class with since then. It's just, it's, it's wild. Um, because, um, these other people plan their whole life, like for this moment, Mm -hmm. they're finally in there, they're taking it serious. And I'm the guy that's running in between classes to go meet up with my drug dealer and try to make it back on time. (sighs) I told my teachers, I had to, classes were like at 8am and like when you do these drugs, like you nod off, you kind of yeah. fall asleep. And I had to tell my teachers that I was going to the doctor because I thought I had narcolepsy or something wow. because I would always <laughs> fall asleep while sitting up in class. And it became like a thing to where they were like, Hey, what is going on yeah. with this? Why can't you stay awake Gosh. in class? Just ridiculous. It really is. Um, <laughs> And that, and then it all started spiraling. Like I was a mess at that point. I just, I couldn't maintain being in school full time as a law student yep. and also a drug addict at the sure. time. It all came, there was many inter- interventions in between from my parents because they're on to me at this point. And how did they, how did they first come on to you then? I mean, I just... uh, a friend, my friend, Steve, that he was living in Europe at the time. He was in a master's program mm-hmm. in Europe. And he caught word of everything that was going on with me hmm. through groups of friends and stuff. Okay. And he ended up contacting my parents 
from mm. Europe being like, hey, it's no longer like, a, like a it's a problem. Wow. You know, like your son has a problem wow. now. And so he contacted them. I, I had a New Year's Eve. I mean, I was with my parents and their friends and I was belligerent. Yeah. I don't remember any of it. And then I woke up. It wasn't January 1st. It was the next day that I woke up. So like my parents intervention around my bed kind of deal. Crazy. Um, lied my way out of that. Sure. Because in my mind, it was just like, I need to figure this out. Yeah. So I told them I was going to stop, told them I was going to get prescribed some boxing. Everything mm-hmm. was going to be okay. I was going to do this. I lasted about another two months until during spring break, um, during spring, college or whatever law school spring break or whatever i treated it as like spring break spring break right. <laughs> and like those were, that was my seven days to like yeah. go hard or whatever and then it was the sunday before classes were starting back i hadn't done a thing for like classwork wise so mm-hmm. i have all that impending doom on me like mm-hmm. i have a paper that is supposed to take like literally 20 hours oh. to write and classes tomorrow i've been putting it off putting it off and so then finally, my parents know that I'm on like a huge bender at this point because mm-hmm. I don't even care at this point. Like, they just know. Um, so then the next day arrives and I tell them, hey, I'm finally ready to go to rehab. Yeah. And what year was this? This was 2013. And did you, and you really felt like you were ready to go? No. Okay. No, no, no. I, I didn't know. You just didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. Okay. Like, and I was also on a lot of drugs. Sure. Mixing drugs, not in a good, because I had this mm-hmm. impending doom of like, I finally really screwed up. Yeah. Screwed up this law, law school thing. Like mm-hmm. my life is over. And you don't have a solution. Now. I don't have a solution. <laughs> I've always no had way, a solution. I have no way mm-hmm. out of this. And it was literally do it. I remember saying like, do what you want with me. Huh. And my parents literally put child locks on the car so I couldn't jump out and they drove me. I had no idea where I was going, but they were driving me to a rehab in Florida that they had contacted. And that's when my little tour of rehabs began. I went to rehab a lot of times. Okay. How many times? A lot over. I mean, I've checked into, I mean, not as many as some people out there. Some people take it real crazy, but I probably checked into rehab. Um, definitely over a dozen times. Okay. Wow. Um, that's important too because people I I don't know I would say some people will think that rehab is just a normal thing to do over and over again other people would say well why doesn't work why doesn't it work one time so your story is different than Chris's story Chris Mm -hmm. is three but like it's not really different it's just you know when you're ready and all stuff I just love to know your perspective absolutely and that's I mean I remember getting into that rehab of course like completely depressed and my parents probably looking at me like what a failure. And I had so much going on in my mind. Um, it was just, I didn't know what was happening with my life, but it felt like it is all coming to a crashing end. Mm-hmm. Right you were 23 at the time. I was 23. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably 23, something like that. And why Florida? That's, I told them just, Hey, I said, do what you want with me. So curious. And they, okay. they, I guess went online and found yeah. a place. I don't know, but they took me down there and they were dropping me off. And of course, like, you know, I spend two days in bed or whatever, depressed, mad at the world. I also, this is a side note, but kind of funny thing. So I was so high on the way down there. I had like a half-ass kind of suicide attempt that didn't work. 
and I had the note, my letter, like my goodbye letter to the world. Oh my well, God. Well, I forgot to throw it out. So the rehabs, when you arrive, they search you. Well, it was the first thing at the top of my suitcase <laughs> was oh this letter God. that my parents are sitting there checking me in. Then they have to read that letter and oh, see that. Wow. So then immediately when I get there, they put me on a suicide watch, take my shoelaces, and I have to have oh. this guy following me around for 24 hours. Um, Worst day ever. get Patty on here to talk <laughs> yeah. about that. Yeah, Patty's definitely. Oh, my God. Yeah, for that's sure. my mother and God. That, She's that, that, that lady, my my whole family, they're saints for putting up with me. Mm-hmm. Um, she drove you all the way to Florida? Oh, dude, she made multiple trips out, man. While you were shooting heroin in the back seat, she was like, I'm not stopping until you get to rehab. Oh, that was the third time. Yeah, she, I mean, dude, it was while, while I was down in Florida for a little over a year, and that was just a crazy, some of the craziest times of my life. So A year you were down Yeah, there. I was down there for a year just bouncing in and out of rehabs mm-hmm. with little stretches in between. So I left, it was March when I left law school. And so four months later, by July, I was literally sleeping on the beach in Boynton wow. Beach, Florida, homeless. So did you complete the 30, the rehab? I completed, kind of completed. It was like a step down program. It was okay. like a year long. And I got out of the middle okay. car. I was living like in a halfway house. Mm-hmm. And that's when, and I wasn't doing anything. Yeah. I was just there. And I was just trying and i didn't pay any attention to any of you weren't doing anything i wasn't doing anything anything. of the 12 i wasn't working the 12 steps i I wasn't doing the things that they were instructing me to do Mm -hmm. i just hadn't been sober in such a long time that sobriety felt good i felt normal and i said okay i'm going to turn my life around okay i got a job in the mall at piercing pagoda piercing little kids ears (laughs) solid (laughs) um was riding a bike to work like seven miles each way and like I was feeling good I had good friends there and I thought like that's what it took I had friends around me that are still to this day sober that went to the same rehab I did but Mm. they did the work they did the 12 steps they did the things and they're still sober yeah I didn't I wasn't ready or I wasn't doing those things and nothing happened there was no like terrible moment it just one day while I was there it seemed like a good idea to get high mm-hmm. and I thought I could get away with it. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly how it started. And that's goes back to, we've talked a lot about the mental obsession on here and it's, it's the most baffling part about yeah. the whole disease of addiction and alcoholism in general is everything was perfect in your life. There was nothing wrong. Nothing pushed you to go get high you weren't sad. You weren't depressed. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. Yeah. And all of a sudden your mind goes, even though I went through everything that I just went through, I'm living in a halfway house where you're not allowed. You mm-hmm. get drug tested. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, st- it's just, it just happened. Mm-hmm. And I thought in my mind, even though I'm sure they told me every day in there, like you can't just do it one time. I thought, I could do it one time and get away from it. And like Chris said, everything was good. My mom had just came down and visit me after three months. Like she was so happy to see me. Mm-hmm. I had this job where like, it wasn't great, but I was making yeah. money. I had really good friends right? and life was finally kind of turning around. And what one time was where I thought, okay, it's a Saturday night. My roommates are not here for the mm-hmm. night. Like I can get high and nobody will know. Yeah. Turned into literally every day. Ugh getting high to eventually where like 
you know, I change. Like, yeah. like when a person's sober and then they start getting high, like the people, especially if they're other drug addicts, they know. Yeah. And I'm sure it was the, one of the hardest things my roommate, cause we got really close, but what they had to do was I'm sure they, I don't know for sure, but randomly one night they said, um, one of the people that worked there were like, Hey, can we drug test you? Mm. And I just packed my stuff and, and left Ugh, and slept on the beach. No, at that point in time, I stayed in a real classy hotel oh, I was down there. I lived yeah. in a motel for about a month. Oh, wow. Yes. It was about $50 a night, cash only. Okay. And it was not in a good neighborhood, and it was rough. And you're getting and, high? And I'm getting high. And I spent a year down in down in Florida in really shady, seedy areas, just accumulating what I have now is just stories. Hmm. of living that life <laughs> just not good that sounds that like life. a separate podcast that, too. <laughs> yeah like those, yeah florida stories we'll call that florida stories florida stories oh my god oh, i god. had every day was a, a, a crazy event um and eventually i mean we honestly like we there's way too many just rough rough days of living that drug life down there um, hot and sunny. Yeah. <laughs> just not, not, and, and now before we're like, we were here in Raleigh with like drug dealers where yeah. it was like your friend from high school. Now down there, I'm dealing with like real, real yes. drug dealers. Right. Like, mm-hmm. God, it was, it was a different life I was living. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, it, what eventually occurred was there were a few times like this where I would check into rehab, whether mm-hmm. it be too many days living on the streets um, you'd go back to the same place. I would go. No, I, I went back there one time, parked my car in the parking lot, left, lasted four to six hours, mm-hmm. just walked right out the door, got my car and left. Um, no, I, I would check in when things would go bad. At this point, it wasn't even like I wanted to get sober. I wanted my life to change. I was right. tired of being hungry. Yeah. I was tired of not having a bed of just every mm-hmm. day, that daily grind of waking up sick. Yeah whatever it may be, like spending the whole day saving up to buy enough drugs that are going to last me six hours. So you wanted like the, the simple things in life again. Yeah, I wanted it's the amazing things. what happens when, when yeah. tragedies occur or when you don't have a bed or yeah. when you are waking up sick every day. It's kind of like if you get the flu, Yeah, you're like, man, I really appreciate just being yeah. healthy. Exactly. Sure. And, sure. and the, you know, simple needs in life are something that we take for granted we do. all the time yes, we do. just having a bed that I can sleep in tonight is yeah. like this story yeah. reminds me deal. where I'm like oh my god I have a bed to sleep oh in. Yeah. exactly mm-hmm. like that's I mean it just there's one I'll kind of wrap the Florida event up in a second but I have a really close friend here that it was a rough day and it was bad and I asked her to send me, and this was before Venmo and all of that. Mm-hmm. I asked her to Western Union me five dollars to get food, and it was genuine. Not, I'm not. I don't need five extra dollars to buy drugs. I need five dollars oh, to buy food. God. Like that is for me to like think about how I put myself in that position yeah. to where like I need five dollars for food. It's insane. Like I was literally out of my mind. Yeah. Um, but my damn, my, my mom, God bless her, mm-hmm. um, after many phone calls and me missing for weeks, days, or whatever, I finally called her broken one time, mm-hmm. and she flew down to Florida mm-hmm. the next day and picked me up, and that was time for me to get out of Florida. Yeah. 
and I was willing to do whatever. I was finally broken and I yep. was like, I am so sick of this. Mm-hmm. And she took me, and this is kind of where the connection starts happening with me and Chris. Because my mom had been talking to your mom. Yeah, for yeah, that's years, what I was going to say. When did that happen? During those times, while because I, I remember Florida. hearing about you, mom and I would connect and just kind of share stories because we tried mm-hmm. to help people. And I heard your name. I didn't know who you were. And mom's like, "Yeah, you know, I, he, you know, I, I think he knows Chris. Whatever." I, I didn't I, know any backstory, but I told mom when she she was like, "Do you know Johnny Smith?" And I was like, "Yeah, he robbed me at gunpoint." So I was right. already sober at that yes, time. Yes, that's we, right. She was like, "Wait, what?" And I was like, yes. "Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with it." But right. Yeah, that right. happened in college or whatever. And she was like, "Well, we're trying to help him get sober," and you know, and I was like, "Oh, just." crazy yeah that's and that's right. that's like where my desperate for that whole year i was in florida i'm hearing about chris I'm sure. hearing about chris because my mom wow. is with liz and they're talking she's trying to help my mom through this because i got and sober I'm in like, 2011 yeah you went there in 2013 mm-hmm. yep. so you're two years sober crushing it doing well and i have my mom whenever we call and say i don't mm-hmm. understand why you can't just call chris yeah i don't understand why you just can't call him how, I, for this how crazy and after I'm like, everything. I can't stand. You know I mean, like, I'm not even thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hate him. I'm just yeah. like, dude, like, he, why is he damn, like, the golden child? Now? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. and I'm this delinquent down there <laughs> yeah. in Florida. Right. And, um, but finally, that's when I, I once again had a moment where I do what you want with me. Yeah. And my mom, she flew down to Florida. And best thing Chris ever did, maybe to this day, I don't know, was told my mom to keep me happy until she gets me to Texas. Because I was going to go to the same rehab that Chris went to in Texas. So the two moms are talking and my mom's like, you need to take him to Texas. To Texas, exactly. And then Chris says to my mom, you need to keep him well, which well means keep him high until he gets there. And thank you for <laughs> welcome. Because that kids. was like two days for me where like looking back, I mean, at that time, like I was struggling for money yeah. and like, it was probably like a few hundred bucks. And that was like vacation before rehab because mm-hmm. I was getting yeah. a high, high yeah. with my mom. And that's when I was doing like, my, like, my mom was driving me around yeah. and I'm meeting drug dealers with her in Florida, oh. poor lady. And I'm in the backseat of her car of the, her, her rental car shooting up heroin with my mom driving staying in a hotel room saying mom i'm gonna go in the bathroom i have to do this like to think now that i was doing that like all the worries that we go through in one person time like is my son in there dead like yeah what's going on but like i don't know how she did it or had the strength to do it i can't Um, wait to have um our moms on actually oh, there's yeah. a cup there's like this little army of moms that have kept in touch and that have continued the fight and i think it's just the coolest thing it's like it's a small world and it's also no coincidence all this like i just think it's awesome so something in texas was different and it could have been it, it was a combination of things yeah. one the treatment center that chris went to and that i went to they are it is really really good yeah like they broke it down for me in a way i understood and also i was much more receptive yeah. and willing at the time i was gonna say so did you feel like you were ready to I was, stop i was using ready. okay because yes. chris has told me that before where there's a difference between wanting to get healthy and not wanting to do drugs anymore mm-hmm. like there's like you you always want to get better yeah but there's a difference between wanting to do drugs still and not wanting to at do this drugs point anymore. like my life was bad and i was willing to do what i had to do to to change my life even if there was no more of that thoughts, well, I'm never going to be able to drink again. Right. Like this was like, I don't even care. Different now. I just want to like have the bed to go home to at night. Yeah. Like I am tired. 
of that. And that's, that's where things change around for me. I went to that rehab, completed it, Mm -hmm. um, lived in Texas. I had a minor setback. It's just Mm -hmm. a part of my story. Like Mm -hmm. things started clicking while I was there. And then I was one of those people to where I got the girlfriend, got my car, got my job, got all of those things mm-hmm. after doing like the whole program mm-hmm. and working the 12 steps. And then I stopped yeah. and it was the same exact thing as before yeah. to where like life was good. I had a really good mm. job there. I had everything that I wanted, but then just one day yeah. I'm high again. Were you doing the 12 steps coming out of that program? Coming out of that rehab. Yeah. Yeah. So I was doing 12 steps, transitioned into a halfway house where I was doing it there. Mm -hmm. And then once I got all the things back, that became a priority. Yeah. Just like everybody says, like just, and if it, you know, if people listening know recovery, it's like when you stop doing those things, you lose it all. Right. And that it was the absolute truth for me. Like mm-hmm. I didn't make a decision that I was going to stop doing it. Mm-hmm. Other things became more important. Yeah. And then before I know it, I'm right back in the same scenario, yeah. except for that time. Like, I mean, it, it took off and it got bad and it got bad quick. It was, it took about four months for me to reach that bottom again. Mm-hmm. And this time my mom was always involved in these stories. Yeah. This time my mom and grandma, Mm-hmm. are coming out to see me pick up my one year chip because they think I've been a year sober. Oh my gosh. And they pull up in the parking lot, fly from North Carolina, Texas, pull up. And the first words out of my mouth are I'm high. Oh, like I could, I was so broken that it was just like, I can't hide it. I've been doing this game for too long now. Like I'm not going to sit here and try to fool you. Like I've been getting high. You're here, but I want help. And the after first, you get better and get well through the work, like, I never actually went through the work and then got higher drunk. Mm-hmm. But from what people have told me, what you experienced, it sounds like you got through the work and, and were better and then clearly stopped doing what you're supposed to do. And then you're sitting there with, with experience of being well and yeah. sober, but you're high. And then you got to face your family and be like, Oh my God. Uh, exactly. Yeah. I experienced being, mm-hmm. I, it was a short lived period, but I experienced freedom yep. and knowing that like it was possible and my life was good. And like, I could be normal. And that's what, like, I was just waiting for that. Like yeah. leading up to those days of her coming, like I knew it was all going to crash and burn yeah. then. And I was just like literally waiting for those days. Just buying your time. Yeah. yeah. And so then I go back in. It's, it's crazy how this whole process works. Cause that's not even the last time I got high. Yeah. Meanwhile, my mom flies out to Texas and I'm like, Hey, I gotta go pawn this TV real quick so I can uh. get high. And we're open about things at this point. Yeah, she knows I'm sure. high. So she's just like, go do what you gotta do. Yeah. So the next day she takes me to rehab. Um, and that was my last stay. I went back to the same rehab and I was the little know-it-all in there. Mm-hmm. And it's an amazing rehab too. It is. It is great. And I was the guy that, that knew everything. I had experienced some sobriety. However, in that short little stay that I was there, I didn't do what the things that I talked about and I said I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Cause I thought that like, Okay, when I get out, I'm going back to North Carolina because that was the yep. plan. I'm done with Texas. I'm going back home. Chris was going to be my sponsor. Like in my yeah. mind, I have these things. And we haven't talked yet. We haven't talked yeah. yet. But like that's what's going to happen. So I'm not going to do the stuff in here they're telling me to do. Mm-hmm. And I lasted two hours. I had to drive from the rehab cross state to Texas in two days. That was like the plan. Yeah. And then once I get back here, I'm going to get serious with it on my way from the rehab within two hours into San Antonio 
I'm getting high again. Oh my god! I know. And I'm supposed to be showing up back home in North Carolina, like everything's okay. It and is. and not to be ignorant, but that's because you were why why like that's because you weren't going through the steps. Is that because the that is I you the the true drug addicts and alcoholics? You have such a short window, yeah. small window of opportunity. Yeah to get involved in this process and sure. to start doing it. Mm -hmm. And for my, in my mind, my window that I thought I could survive mm -hmm. was a two day trip from Texas to North Carolina, mm -hmm. just driving from yeah. rehab to hotel, from hotel to house. Yep. And I couldn't make it. Mm -hmm. And I had every intention while I was in there, like truly, like I truly did of staying sober and doing that. Yeah. But when I left there, that switch just somehow flipped. Man. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it was it was rough, but so so fast forward to I get home and I'm of course acting like I didn't get high when I just mm -hmm. got out of um, rehab, and of course I'm feeling it on the inside mm -hmm. though, and I'm feeling that mental obsession because now I put it in my body. Yep. After 30 days of sobriety in the rehab, and I want that again. Yeah. And this was the the moment that literally it, it changed my life. Um, I was in a parking lot. I had been home for probably four days or something like that. And I'm looking at my bank account and I have about $2.37 in my bank account. Here we go again. And I'm <laughs> figuring out how I can get high <sighs> with that. And, you know, it's like my parents, they just allowed me back into their house. Mm -hmm. This way, I just went to rehab again. Like I'm going, this is supposed to be my chance. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting there figuring out what I could do to get high. And then for some reason, I don't know what it was, but I had Chris's number in my phone and I just said, screw it. I'm so tired of this. And I called him. Mm -hmm. Wow. And yeah. And he was at work and he said, Hey, we, we talked, we talked or whatever. I remember him saying like, wow, I've been waiting for you to call. Where were you at this he time? Was at Here? Yeah, I was, okay, yeah, I was, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, he was in the office. Yep. Okay. And I had him come to, my work. I remember this actually. Yeah. Yep. I remember and, just and hearing about this. Brought him into a conference room at my work after hours. And I remember seeing, I believe I saw Megan yeah. that day and I looked at her and I was like, Hey, remember John Smith? And she was like, yeah, he robbed you at gunpoint or something. Cause I went to her house right after that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was very open with her about sure. things and she was always really cool. And, and I was like, yeah, he wants to get sober and he's about to come up here. And she was like, that is insane. It is insane. So how, how did that phone call go? I mean, like, you, or did you not really think about the past I wasn't, and all stuff? You're I, just wasn't, like, I didn't care didn't at care. the moment. Like that was a true, like I said, that window that you had yep. to do something. And I just did it. Yeah. I don't know why. I didn't care what he was going to say. I was a yep. true, like drowning person. I mm -hmm. had that desperation to where I hit call. And I remember him saying, I'm waiting for you to call. And in my mind, I'm so like, you knew for what, coming. like four years? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, like, for four years yeah. that my mom's been telling me to call you, <laughs> you're finally, like, answered. And he said, um, I want you to come up here tomorrow and meet me. Tonight, I want you to read the doctor's opinion. And as I sat there in the car, like, I Googled it on my phone, and I started reading it. And it's just, like, those are the things right there. Yeah. To where like that is the true desperation and finally following yeah. instruction. Following direction. Yeah. Like that's all it was. The next day he said, Come meet me here. Yeah. Took me into the place that He's we were. He's giving you steps to follow. Yeah. yeah. We go in this big conference room. I'm looking 
rough. He was. He, I remember um, looking at his face, and he was like beat red. And I think he was also very nervous because this was the first time we had ever seen each other yeah. since he robbed me. At Absolutely. And you're coming so into a corporation. Down, like, so he sits down in this corporation. corporation. corporation you you failed at like trying, or you haven't got to the point where like, you like, I don't know. Basically, a bum at They're this point. So oh, no, he was, he was in shambles. He was in oh, shambles. Was and and oh. he sits down at the table and he looks at me and he's got this super red face. And I had been, I think I had been five years sober yeah. at that point. Mm -hmm. And or four years sober and had been working at this corporation and moved up and it was doing really well. And like, you know, I had my stuff together and he was probably like, like felt like this little, like you oh. probably felt so small. Oh, and, and the yeah. most important thing to understand is that like externally, nothing externally matters in life ever, right. no matter what. Yeah. And I looked at him and I just said, let's just go ahead and, and like <laughs> point the whole yeah. white elephant room or whatever it's called out yeah. like elephant in the room. Yeah, i yeah. do not care that you robbed me at gunpoint and he looked at me and he like gasped and was like thank god i thought i thought that was like a meetup number two conversation i yeah. thought like yeah. first day meetup was going to be like we're going to pretend you that didn't happen there. Yeah. and it was the first thing that we talked about that was, was probably a like, huge bit of relief it was it was like, also like in my mind like humiliating sure but also like you had to get out of the way though. yeah yeah well like, he got it out of the way yeah. and then i remember you saying like a few meanwhile like we're in a conference room and he's on a whiteboard and i am like a few months ago or whatever a year ago i was literally living on the streets mm -hmm. like i'm a child at this point sure and i'm in this office and he's and i i believed him yeah. like and you know, people people in the program they, they talk about this language of the heart and that like you can truly understand like one alcoholic or addict to another. Mm -hmm. And it was true because he broke it down. And he said, "You can have what I have. Mm -hmm. Like this is all extremely obtainable. Like, and not in a cocky way, but my life is really good. Yeah, and you can have this. Yeah, if you do this." Hmm. And I was just simple. like, what it 100%, so it was broken down in the, the most simplest way. And I was willing to do it. And you know, the steps are broken down this way. And he broke it down the way that was very simple tonight. Mm -hmm. This is what you're going to go home and do mm -hmm. tomorrow. This is what you're going to do. And like, that is absolutely what I needed. And it just yeah. became a thing of next, this next, that yeah. next, that. And the, the craziest thing that I look back kind of in my story, because I start getting better and I start getting better quick. Mm. And the reason why I'm getting better and I'm getting better quick is because I'm doing the things that he's telling me to do mm -hmm. and the things that the book says to do, like I'm actually doing them. Um, and I start getting like really, really well. And it no longer became about like drugs for me. My life started changing so quick that I was so bought in yeah. to this process and yeah. the results of it that I look back and I don't even know when it was, but you know, it could have been like two weeks in 30 days in. And it's like, I haven't thought about getting high at all. Like I haven't that like the, that problem has been removed from me in such a short yeah. period of time by following these steps and actually being willing to do and take the action yeah. of what it said, uh, what it I says also, in the book. I also remember one of the questions I asked you was, um, 
what did you want out of life? And you looked at me and you were like, I want this. And you kind of like did this like motion of like pointing at the building that we were in. Mm -hmm. And three months later you were working there. Yeah. That was, Mm. that was another crazy, crazy moment because I had at that point in time, I had full faith in the program that life was going to be okay. And you were doing this at home, at home here in Raleigh, at home, with living at my parents. Yes, yep, okay. with my mom as my driver because I didn't yeah. have a license. She so drove I got you everywhere. Yeah. I got arrested. Blah blah blah. Yeah, um, another podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, I, I was doing these things, and I was taking it very seriously. And life started changing, and I was shooting. I swear to you, I was shooting for the bare minimum. There's a yeah. food lion that is up the road from my parents' house, and I was like, I am so content if I get to live here and I walk a mile to and from work mm-hmm. each day, working as a bagger, yep. and like I have this bed to sleep. Like yeah. I am the simple good. Things. I am not like shooting for whatever. And then, no, what you said to me was. You will have a career within six months. I swear to you, this is that's that's what you said. My memory is terrible, so you will have a career within six months. Yeah, and I was like, okay, whatever. Like, oof, like in my mind, such a tough. Oh my god, no chance. What I'm two weeks sober at this point. Like, you're out of your mind. Yeah, like we, you obviously haven't like really got to know me. Oh, Uh, but he's like, you will have a career, and I'm just like, dude, cool, but like. I'm fine with working wherever. Yeah. Um, I'm just whole working on this sobriety yeah. thing. Just really want a bed. Like, right just right really, right. yeah. I just really want food in a bed and not really doing heroin. Uh, but no, I remember it. And then the time came around to where I kind of took it in stages. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was very fortunate to have my parents on my side still. Yeah. They were like, hey, you can live here. We yeah, want you to focus. Huge. Oh, hell, yeah, support oh like that. God. We want you to focus on your sobriety and recovery. Yeah. And then little things started to happen. I get my license back. Mm -hmm. So then from there, um, I'm really still focusing on what has always been stressed to me. It's like you stay sober by helping other people. Yeah. So I'm doing that. I'm doing all those things. And now it comes around the time to where I'm five months sober at this time. um, And or four months sober. And it was, hey, I should start looking for work. Mm -hmm. And I'm feeling like really good yeah at this point like yeah. and and i mean i attribute that to what i was doing like yeah and i'm okay with saying that like i really put my heart into this yep. and i did this thing yeah um and i was four months over three or four months over and i started applying for jobs and chris said hey why don't you apply here mm-hmm. at and so I spent time, like, you know, kind of putting my resume together. And yeah. meanwhile, at this point, I worked at two restaurants and Pearson Pagoda. Um, yeah. Right. You know, went to law school for three quarters of a yeah. year. Right. Um, and uh, got the job, got the interview, got the job. And I was like, oh. I don't even know what I felt because I don't, I mean, at that point in time, like, and it was just like, I was on a roll. And yeah. Like, I was things feeling, are happening. Things yeah. are happening. And I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. And this is awesome. Mm-hmm. And that is just like how it, it rolled. Yeah. And it's just crazy to where if like the little moments and doing those things, like if, you know, and we fast forward to here where we're now, I started, Chris got me the job there. I ended up yeah. working there for about um, a year and a half or so. Yep. Did really well while I was there. Yep. Chris left started the roofing company 
And then a month after he left, I followed him there. Yeah. I work for him now. And, you know, every it's just the path is crazy. But I think back on to where when I was sitting in that parking lot, if yeah. I didn't pick up the phone yeah. and literally just hit dial, what happens? Anything. You like, know what I mean? Like, you could what, be, I mean, what who knows? happens? It's, right. It's crazy how that, I mean, just taking advantage of that and then, then for me, like well, more on the recovery aspect, I, I mean, I've said the hundred times I'll say now, but it's just, just following that direction. I did mm-hmm. literally nothing more than that. Yeah. And having somebody to talk to and say, Hey, what do I do now? Like what yeah. next? And yeah. then just do it. Like yeah. it was not rocket science. It was nothing yeah. crazy or that was hard. It was literally just doing it. If following anything, steps. yeah, following yeah. The steps. If anything, it was uncomfortable. Yeah. And the reason why I was uncomfortable is because it was new. I've never done it before. Sure. You know what I mean? Like I've never done those things. Of course it's uncomfortable, but I was fully willing. I remember the, the first night we met up, um, I had told him that when I left the rehab mm-hmm. and I was supposed to drive home, I got high Yep. and he was like, okay, Hey, he called me after we met up. He's like, I forgot to tell you, you have to tell your mom mm-hmm. that like you got high yeah. two days ago. And I was like, you're out of your mind. Yeah. yeah you did. Uh, they're going to kick me out, yeah. but I trust you. But sure. like, my life is in your hands. Ooh. I trust you. And so I told them, of course they weren't happy, but like, mm-hmm. that was like those little willingness to do Crazy. to where John, you no longer know best, right? Like your life has put you in a terrible spot. Mm-hmm. Start following direction of yeah. others for once. Yeah. For once. Is that like, changed. is that the advice you would give to somebody right now? If they're listening, that is just sitting in the car that 100% it's it's literally just call like try shut off I would shut off my brain yeah and just turn to a person that had knowledge of the steps mm-hmm. of course and just hey what do I do yeah like what what do I do and then do it like right. what they tell you to do do it just do it and like <laughs> it's it's so simple but I get it it's hard to do yeah. I mean look at me I went in and out of rehab for like three years before sure. I was finally at a point where I was willing yeah. to do that. And I love, and we did an in-depth uh, on the 12 steps, which mm-hmm. was super helpful for me too. My perspective on those is that everybody should follow the 12 steps mm-hmm. every day yeah. for their own lives, nice. regardless yeah. of addiction or not. But because um, there's so many good messages and simple steps and just moments of clarity that you could find, I, I could see in, in walking through those. But it's amazing that like that truly is like the answer, right? Assuming you're ready to go and can, can admit you know, that you are in that spot and, and work through them. Like, it's really cool to me. That's where, that's why I'm so passionate about this now is I keep learning things more and more and talking to you and hearing your story. Like it is like such a crazy, but cool thing that you guys have gone through. And I know that sounds kind of controversial, maybe like when I call it cool or beautiful, yeah, I caught it in the first it one, is. but it, it's, like it's something that you have that you can now pass on and that you can help people. And like the the person sitting in the car, that's like looking for someone to help them. Part of getting better is helping other people. So there are plenty of people out there that are ready to go to help you. <laughs> Cause like, that's, it's part of you guys. It's a network, right? It's, it's absolutely. Like, it's trees keep growing. Right. Like, it's just like, and the thing is about us is like, you know, it's cool and it's special, mm-hmm. but it is so far from common. Like yeah. our stories, mm-hmm. like I have, I mean, I was, I was thinking about these two guys that I've, I've worked with where they have called me in the same position that, you know, I was in like, Hey, I need help and I'm yeah. willing to do whatever. And they were 
like me and they were like, I will do it. Tell yeah. me what to do and I'll do it. Yeah. And their stories are near identical to where their lives changed for the better so quickly by yeah. following this process that it's, it's unreal how it works, but yeah. it is not uncommon. Yeah. When, like you, it, when you place yourself in a position for the universe or God or whatever you want mm -hmm. to call it, when you place yourself in a position for them to take care of you yeah. and you give up a little bit of your ego and start following some direction and start living by certain principles, it's amazing how big your world can get. Yeah. Your, your world can get big very quickly by letting go. Yeah. How cool was that moment for you when someone then was on the other end of the phone calling you? Um, and asking for help like was that a, was that crazy to the, you just like whoa <laughs> sort of um i mean my experience like I, i've talked to people and they've had like crazy experiences mm -hmm. with it but i was so ready yeah because like i was doing this thing that like i was out there ready for mm -hmm. people to have this telling them straight mm -hmm. up like hey no no i promise you i promise you if, if you do this yeah your life will get better yeah the coolest part of it was when i finally had someone that was willing to actually do it because yeah. there was a lot of attempts before where sure. I was ready to pass this to people, but they just weren't ready to do yeah. it or whatever. But when I met the first guy that he was in that spot where he was like, dude, I'm all yours. Yeah. Like, what? And then just to watch it Ugh. like change. Yeah. Like, you, we would just sit there and laugh a lot of times. Like, dude, three That's weeks amazing. ago, whatever, or like two months ago, your life was like that. Right. And look at like, look at how you're doing. Yeah. Now and it's not externally, but it's like Chris said, when I walked in and I mean, I was beat up. Yeah. Like I was, there was nothing going on inside yeah. of me. Like I was a shell of a person. Yep. And then after just by doing this, after a little bit of time, like the soul comes back into a person. It's incredible. And it's, yeah, it's, it's transforming. It's insane. It's like, you're holding a little piece of like gold and you're like, who wants it? It's yep. like, as soon as someone's ready to take it, like yeah, there it is. Exactly. Right? It's like, 100%. please, like I have magic in my hands. I, it's like, yes, please, please. And that's, that's <laughs> the hard thing about this, but there's, there's no, one thing I've noticed is there's no convincing somebody mm -hmm. to get to that point. Sure. Which I, sucks. I was talking to uh, someone today who she has a friend who is an alcoholic and, yep. and wants to get better, but is struggling and doesn't really know mm -hmm. what to do. And I heard her talking to that yeah. friend who lives in Boston. And I was like, I so badly wanted to just grab the phone and be like, you have to understand me that if you allow yourself to submit to changing your mm -hmm. perspective through some simple steps and through yeah. some simple things, your entire life is going to become something that you never could imagine that it could yeah. be. And like, you're ready to get better. Yeah. You're just scared and don't have the resources right now. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, I have a buddy who's a heroin addict right now, who's probably 24 hours sober now and is going through a lot of issues. And, mm -hmm. um, I know for a fact, as soon as he gets physically removed from the heroin, yep. I can sit down with him and within 48 to 72 hours, he can be well yeah. and he can be a completely new man and never struggle to do this again. But and it, the message is interesting that you just said, because a lot of the time I would say, hopefully that's a fair thing to say, the message coming from a loved one that doesn't understand addiction is opposite of that. Yep. You piece of shit, you're hurting the family. Yep. It's How all negative, heavy, mm -hmm 
adding weight to you're better what than you're this doing. right you're better than this. Yeah. yeah and like the message of hope honestly the way that mm -hmm. you said it is like your life can completely change like mm -hmm. that's not a normal response because people see it as such a dark negative thing yeah, and if yeah. we could all take that perspective i think it could be a huge thing right we don't all have the knowledge that you guys do or the the experience, experience essentially yeah. but like all you gotta do is give them our number or something yeah I, who right. has done better and, and again, don't have to worry the, about it the network right yeah. i just think it's so fascinating but um, well, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no, this was, and I would love to have you back um, as we go forward. I, I assume there'll be tons of questions and I want to get more into like you guys and your philosophies and things um, as we go um, into this disease a bit more. But thanks for sharing your story. No, thank you. Very Pretty much. cool, right? And you yeah, guys are awesome. it's so cool that you guys are in business together. Like that story of you guys. Oh, uh, it's tame. Oh, so yeah. Anything yeah. can happen, right? Also, anything can happen. <laughs> yeah.